Hello, dear listener. This is The Optimist in Revolt. excited about our guest this week. I'm excited about every guest that I have, but a little more uh, this week than usual, although I talk to this guest more often than I talk to most of my guests. So I will uh, introduce her to you. Bonnie Bishop is a mother, wife, and retired paraprofessional. She worked in special education for over 20 years and has raised three children, two of whom are respectable members of society. She's a Christian woman whom I've admired for a long time, almost all of my life, or at least as long in my life as I can remember. Um, for the way she talks about Christ and prioritizes her relationship with the Lord above everything else. She's also probably the only guest that I've had on who uh, I will punch you in the mouth if you insult her. She is my mother. So um, I, I wanted to have her on, and I, I, <laughs> I wanted to have her on because it's Thanksgiving and that's a time for family and because I'm thankful to have her as a mom. Uh, so hi, mom. How's it going? Good. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. Um, I I uh, I was considering calling you Bonnie throughout the interview, but I realized that you would hate that, so I decided against it. Thank you. <laughs> and I also wanted to point out that you are our first lady guest, so you've shattered a glass ceiling of sorts by. Uh, wow! For yeah. once in my life. Yeah, a great man once said, "A boy's best friend is his mother." Uh, I think it was Norman Bates. Anyway, um, <laughs> so. Uh, but how is how are you doing, Mom? How's how's it going? Getting ready for the holiday? I'm doing good. It'll be a little calmer this year. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> you never yeah. know. Yeah, you never know if a, maybe a hurricane will come through Fresno and just and pick y'all up. That's true. All right. Well, you know what's interesting is that uh, first it's weird to interview your mom, but it's also kind of a, an experience I'm looking forward to. One, because as I said before, you, the way you talk about Jesus is just a really like – it's wonderful, and I can't even explain it, and people will hear. But two, because it's like, you know, I know who you are as a person, but I've never, like, sat down and asked some questions. So now I'm going to ask you some questions, all right? Okay. So the first thing I just wanted to ask is kind of if you can tell a little bit about how it is that you became a Christian. Okay, well, I was raised in a Christian church, and so really all my life I've I didn't know I was going to get teary. All my life, I've known Jesus and loved him. I'm sorry. I'm probably not supposed to cry. Um, but <laughs> it's okay. so when I was eight was when I was baptized. And the way that that came about was basically my parents asked me if I wanted to be baptized. And an, as an eight-year-old that loved Jesus, wanted to do what Jesus wanted her to do. So I was baptized. Um but I feel like my story's a little bit more than that as far as my claiming my own faith. Um, so I could share that with you a little yeah, bit. Yeah, please do. Okay. So um, there's, you know, I, I kind of look at my life in, it's kind of strange, like in three sections. <laughs> so the first section was before I got married because I was only 18 when I got married. So that faith that I had, I feel like was more like my parents' faith. It was still mine. I still love Jesus. I still remember writing songs. It's funny because I was thinking about this and your songwriting. 
And I was remembering that I used to write songs about Jesus Hmm. and sit at the piano and play them. And I had, you know, that's just a memory that got stuck back there. And I could remember like the song and it was really boring, but it was from my heart. Um, And so that faith changed, my faith grew. And there, there's like two other times that I think that God like pushed me um, into a deeper faith with him. And I don't know how personal to get. As Um, personal as you're comfortable getting mom. Okay. Well, I struggled um, with a situation and um, I remember crying and crying because I wanted, I'll just say what it was. I want to have a baby and I couldn't. Mm -hmm. And so I remember just like this deep cry that I had. And um, I seriously, and I know it sounds strange and that's okay. It can sound strange, but I felt Jesus crying with me, not in a way like, oh, I feel so sorry for her, but just a deep understanding of what I was going through. And so I think that that like, that was when I started claiming my own faith is like, I have a relationship with Jesus. I can talk, I can not only talk to him, but I can feel his compassion. And um, so that was a huge thing. And then I remember like, it was probably, I don't know, 10 years later, just my faith over the years has deepened my it just has because of you know God allows circumstances in our lives to happen where we really lean into him and I had a lot of those (laughs) and um I remember thinking as much as I loved my earthly father which I did he was an amazing amazing man I remember thinking I care more about what how God sees me than how my own dad does and that was when I knew this is my faith. This is a gift. So, sorry. Yeah. No, you don't have to be sorry. And I think that that, I think, you know, knowing your dad, uh, what a wonderful thing he probably would have thought that was. Yeah. You know, that, that, that he raised you in such a way as to point you in the right direction. Um, but for about what, a, and I think, you know, you being my mom, I think you probably, I, maybe I'm putting this on you, but you would feel the same way, right? Where it's like, as much as, as much as you love me and you want me to seek your approval, that it actually probably the best way to seek your approval is to not seek your approval, but to seek God's yes. approval. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's a weird thing of, of like, letting someone go yes. because you love them and you want them to, to seek the right thing. Um, thanks for sharing a very personal thing, mom. Um, and, and, you know, it is interesting too, that, you know, it, it's watch. I can't, cause you know, I don't have kids. I don't know anything about kids, but, uh, <laughs> just the idea of, of watching your kids make their faith their own. And I'm sure that that's something that you have had to experience with me because it doesn't work when it's your parents' faith. I mean, it does to a certain extent, like you're saying, you can still love Jesus, but until mm-hmm. it's yours, right? it's, you know, it, it doesn't belong to you yet. Yeah. Yes. A, Cause yeah. I mean, I'm not going to be here forever. I'd rather have you have that relationship. Than, yeah. You know, and, and that's, than that's care a, about what I think. 
Yeah, and there's a theme that keeps coming up that even the greatest person it makes a terrible savior, you know, makes a terrible Absolutely. god, right? And so yes. There's uh, I only wouldn't put that on anybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of switching gears, what song do you think is best? Well, my favorite, this is interesting because I, I don't know if this is normal. First of all, I'll tell you what it is. It's Amazing Grace. And let me say something to you. I don't know if this is normal, but every morning I wake up, not just, not with Amazing Grace in my mind, but with this song. Does everybody do that? I don't know. I do. Okay. Yeah. I always, whenever I wake up, I have a song running through my mind and, um, it's a blessing. I like it. And it's, I, you know, but amazing grace. So do you want me to say why it's my, yeah, so you should say why song? it's the best okay. song. I mean, you're First correct. All, I'm looking also, at it right now because I'm in my music room and it's, <laughs> it's on my wall in a frame. Um, so amazing grace. First of all, I just, I love the idea of grace, but I'm going to tell you really why this is my favorite song. Every single one of my the kids, when they were babies, that includes you, of course, um, I would rock them and sing that song, every single verse, not, you know, skipping any or, and so, so much of, for me, music is like memory, like mm. the memories that it stirs up in me. That's why a lot of times in church, I'll start crying when I hear an old hymn, because I hear my grandparents singing, sure. you know, in church. And so Amazing Grace, it's not just the words, it's not just the melody, it's the memories that, that it brings. And very interestingly, um, on Sunday, our music minister was talking about Amazing Grace we, because we sang it. And um, I never noticed, and he pointed out that Jesus' name is not in that song anywhere. Mm-mm. But what I thought about was, but who gives us grace? Yeah. And so it's like, he, even though his name isn't there, he is. So. Yeah. In the way that he's with us, you know, offering grace yes. daily. He's, it's like. Exactly. It's a, it, it kind of takes me back to like studying English grammar and stuff. And you understood sentences where it's like, you don't have to, when I say go outside, I don't have to say, hey, you go outside. It's kind of the same thing where it's like, we're not yes. saying the grace is coming from Jesus explicitly, but we're saying the grace is coming from Jesus. Yes, exactly. I have two other things to say about that. One, okay. this sounds like a setup because I always say Amazing Grace is the best song. And now I'm wondering if maybe it's just because you used to sing it to me when I was a baby. So now I'm predisposed <laughs> I to think it it's on the you. best song. Um, I think melodically, it's one of the best songs ever written. And but like you're saying that the mem- so the second thing I wanted to say, touching on the memory thing, is um, this past Sunday at church there were baptisms, and this is the first mm. time I've seen baptisms at this church, uh, and it's wonderful. I I I don't know why I always cry when people are baptized. It's just something. I mean, I know why, but I always yeah. <laughs> do it every time. And so it was really interesting. There was no like list of people who were getting baptized that Sunday. It was, you want to get baptized, today's the day you're going to do it. We have a tub in the front of the church. You can line up. If you're in your church clothes and you weren't planning on getting baptized, we have clothes for you. We have towels for you. If you want to do it, do it. And some people were getting in in their slacks and stuff. It was really wonderful. Oh, wow. So while this was happening, they're like, and we're just going to sing hymns. And so here I am. There's hymns going including Amazing Grace and baptisms happening. And I'm just over there trying to hold back manly tears inside my face, but it's just, 
it is such a funny thing the way that that that, that um that well, you're right that m- music can be memory inducing um, mm-hmm. because you know I'm not the most emotional person in the world I'm not the least emotional person in the world either but there's something about specific types of music and I remember fairly like maybe a year and a half ago going as you know I grew up in the Church of Christ where we sing only a cappella uh, music. Right. And so, you know, music's like, for me, music's a tool. I like music. I play it. But most of the time, it doesn't get to me. But I, but for some reason, I went to the early service, which was the a cappella service, about a year and a half ago at a Church of Christ. And um, and I just, like the first song, it's like, here I am. I'm weeping because just the a cappella takes me back to when I was a kid in church. And there's just something about it. Um, yes. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, what person whom you've never met and outside of the Bible has had the biggest impact on your spiritual life? Okay, well, I'm going to give you more than one. That's fine. <laughs> okay, so again, kind of what I was speaking about earlier was like I look at my spiritual growth in like three chunks, so to mm-hmm. speak. So the first one was I, okay, I had to look up the person's name because there was a, there's a poem called Bright in the Corner Where You Are. Mm-hmm. and I looked up who it was written by, and it was written by Charles Hutchinson, and he was he was alive from 1856 to 1932. I didn't look to see where, when he wrote it, but it's actually a hymn, and I didn't know that, so I found this little card, and I was reading it, and so I'm sure I read whatever verse was on the card, but I just remember right in the corner where you are, wherever Jesus put you, even if it's just in a math class or playing with a friend or, um, you know, I'm saying this through a child's eyes, just wherever I was, I needed to be the light that I could be. Hmm. I couldn't be a Jesus light, but be whatever light I could be in whatever circumstance that God put me in. And so because I think because I read it so young, I always hold on to that phrase. I probably never even said it to you. Maybe yeah, I did. I don't know. How old were you? I was, I'm guessing probably 10. Okay. Because I know I wasn't close to a teenager yet. I was pretty young. But that phrase, bright in the corner where you are, has always like been part of my spiritual growth, really. Because it's like, okay, I'm in this circumstance. I don't like it, but I can still be bright, so to hmm. speak. So that's the first chunk. The other person was um, Audrey Wetherall Johnson. She started BSF to Bible Study Fellowship. Okay. Have you heard of that? No. Okay, it's a really intensive Bible study. And um, the thing that I learned from that was to pray before you read your Bible and to pray that the Holy Spirit will open your eyes to whatever it is God wants to teach you and show you that day. And that was really life-changing because, you know, before it was like, okay, I'm going to read this scripture and see what I get out of it. Not that God can't work, even if you don't pray that, I'm not saying that, but it just opened me up more to the Bible, first of all, and reading the Bible and studying the Bible, but also just being in that place where, you know, when you pray and which that's another big thing I'll get to in a second. (laughs) But anyway, when you pray, you know that you're like in that 
um, I don't, I can't think of the word, but a rev, kind of a reverent place, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that like you prepare yourself for prayer. Sometimes, sometimes you just pray because you need to pray. <laughs> but um, but it's more preparing before you read the word. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, it kind of so orients that was you another... towards. Pardon? It kind of orients you toward, you know, it gives you the posture of. Reference. Yes, the posture. That was the word I wanted. Thank you. Oh. Um, and then the other person getting back to prayer is um, I was at a Bible study one time and, and a lady recommended a book and it's by Stormy Omar. Um, I don't know how you spell, say her name, Omar Tan. And she's okay. written a lot of praying for the power of praying for your husband or the power of praying for your, there's a lot of those books. And sometimes like I would find myself not knowing exactly how to pray for someone. <laughs> and so even though the Holy Spirit intervenes and, and does that, you know, for my earthly self, I needed to be able to put things into words. And anyway, um, she, because of her books, I think I really focused on, and I mean, it really changed my life as far as my prayer life goes. Mm -hmm. And my prayer life is like, it's what I need. It's what I want. <laughs> uh, it's powerful. I look back on my prayer journals and see how much, how God has been so faithful, even when he said no, you know, yeah. to something I was praying about. So, I mean, anyway, I could talk about you, but maybe I shouldn't, but yeah, anyway, shouldn't. just, but God I understand is so what you're saying. Faithful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, whenever someone brings a prayer request to me, I almost immediately pass it on to you as well, just because I know, you know, God listens to all of us. And I, and I'm not, so I'm not, I'm saying this in a more of a colloquial way than a theological way, but just your prayers are special. Mom, <laughs> you're a, what I would call a prayer warrior. Um, well, also I worth mentioning, what's you, what, sorry. I was just going to say, well, I feel, I just think prayer is such a gift. I mean, we get mm -hmm. to talk to God. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. The, the, uh, the creator of the universe is listening, and that's kind of a, yes. a special thing. Also worth mentioning, I did get you one of those Stormy Martin books for Christmas once. Yes, I'll take you a did. little bit of credit. So I know that you did. I think yes. it was The Power of Praying for Your Adult Children or something like that. And that's it's like, exactly right. It was kind yes. of a gift to me then, I guess. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you think is the biggest challenge facing the church today? I think that it's just because there are so many distractions in our world. Mm that like <laughs> the church is like, Hey, what about me? <laughs> I really don't mean to say it like that, but it's just, there's so many things going on in this world that well, right now the challenge is uh, the coronavirus, because sure. I think so much of the importance of church is meeting together. And when people can't do that, it's very easy to feel isolated. I remember my mom telling me that one of her friends can we just watch uh, church on TV? And she's like, I'm kind of comfy being in my jammies, mm. you know? And I'm thinking that's true, that the fellowship part is so important. And I think right now the church is suffering because of it. Are you trying to, are, do you want me to say like, if COVID wasn't an, a thing? No, you say whatever challenge? you want. COVID's a fun answer. I mean, it is today. It is. Yes, it is today. Yeah. 
And I think that just, I think the whole, um, the scripture, when it talks about being in the world, but not of the world, Mm -hmm. I think that's a challenge for the church too, is like, where's that, where's that space of being a part of this world, but not being worldly. Yeah. (laughs) Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of going back to your online church and distraction thing and COVID, I mean, has highlighted this too. One of the things about church, I mean, obviously the church is a gathering, right? And we get together and we worship together and we fellowship with each other. And so there, and God creates us to live in community, which is obviously the main point of church, but also going somewhere kind of shakes up your world a little bit, right? Getting yeah. out of your house, going to this place where this is what we do here is worship God is a different thing than sitting on your couch. And yeah. so being in the same posture that you are when you turn on Netflix as you are when you're watching church is not a good thing, I don't think. Right. And, right. and those distractions are much more apparent because now it's like, hey, uh, well, you know, I can watch the, I can watch church later or, oh, let me just finish this episode of this Netflix thing. And then now that, you know, people watch TV and there's, I'm not saying like we can't ever as Christians take in entertainment. That's not what I'm saying. Right. But, but it is true that it's like, it's so much easier to switch from church to TV to church. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like, it's almost too easy. And so yes. you don't value it maybe in the same way. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, what do you put on your hot dogs? depends on what I have if I have relish I put relish and mustard on it okay and and I don't like just the little squeezy yellow mustard I like the you know fancy mustard yeah I do yeah and sometimes just barbecue sauce (laughs) barbecue sauce sometimes just barbecue interesting yes yeah I've never liked barbecue sauce on the hot dogs I don't know why um, I don't know. Dad always puts barbecue sauce on every hot dog he cooks, and it's he tries not to sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate when he thinks uh, when he's thinking of his picky son. Um, okay, uh, what do you think is the best argument against Christianity, and why are you not convinced by it? Okay, um, I think probably like from a world view people would say that the resurrection is Hmm. the hardest thing to come to grips with. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't have a problem with it because a lot of people a lot smarter than I am who like apologetics, I'm looking at one of them, Hmm. (laughs) um, have, I've heard enough to know that that the resurrection happened. I already knew it in my heart. But mm-hmm. I know it in my head too. So I don't, does that make sense? Because I've heard a yeah. lot of apologetic people. What are they called? Apologetists. Apologists. <laughs> anyway, I've heard them, you know, go through the, all the prophecy and just mm-hmm. all of it and people seeing Jesus after he was resurrected and all of that. So, um, but like I said, I already know it in my heart, I, my my heart has never been a problem. It's like the head thing, but mm-hmm. other people took care of that. So I'm good. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think there's a couple things. One is that I think that because we have so much information at our disposal now, people just assume, well, everyone's got evidence for everything. And that's not true. There's not right. evidence that Christ didn't rise from the dead. Uh, right. And what makes Christianity different from other religions is that Christ did everything he did in public. 
Like yes. everything is written by eyewitnesses who and more than then, one, yes. Who then died for having witnessed it and refusing to recant. So yeah, and and the thing about the resurrection is that the whole thing hinges on it, right? Like the whole religion yes. hinges on the resurrection. <laughs> Absolutely. And if you be- and it's weird because if you believe the resurrection happened, but you don't believe Christianity itself is true, that's a weird position to hold, but someone could hold it. But it's like, okay, well, then who is this guy? Like, how did he rise from the dead? Yes. And from a historical yeah. perspective, I'm always like, you know, I believe Abraham Lincoln was the president. I believe George Washington was the president. I believe, you know, that uh, that Homer wrote the Odyssey. And we have way more documentation from early manuscripts of the Bible than we do of anything else. We have like 6,000 complete or partial manuscripts of the Bible that were written at the time. Anyway, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole. But yeah, I think the resurrection, I mean, if if that didn't happen, yeah, our whole thing's a lie. Right. (laughs) It did happen, I'm afraid. Um, What do you think is the biggest strength in the church today? I think kind of the opposite of what we were just talking about. I think it's like community being together. serving a place where you can uh, not just strengthen your own faith, but hopefully help other people. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that like the church that we go to now, I think its biggest strength, if you want me to get down to like a micro is is our pastor speaks right from the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I think that getting back to what we were talking about earlier, like, one of the challenges is that I think a lot of times um, I've been in churches where they've like used somebody else's book or mm. which is, there's nothing wrong with no, those that. Are tools. But I think that when the focus is somebody else's book instead of God's book, yeah. that's a problem. And yeah. so I think that that's, that's the strength is to just be like right in the word and see what God has to say about X, Y, or Z from his perspective, not from anybody else's. And I think you can get that at church. And I think, you know, the whole thing about church is it's a place where, you know, you can take God's word and put it into action. Like you can, churches are usually very good about outreach and serving the community and things like that. So I think those are the strengths of it. Yeah, I think that people hmm. – it's, it's an interesting question because it's what's the best argument against – or sorry, what's the best strength in the church today, right? Which, you know, I think you're right that the, that the service aspect – but it's like because we serve a God who doesn't change, really it should – the strength of the church today should have been the same as the strength of the church yesterday, which is, I mean, when you get down to it, the word of God. We have the actual ultimate source of objective truth yes. in the universe – um, yes. and you know, we have, like you're saying that the, the, uh, that, yeah, those other books are fine, but the Bible is the Bible and we the have Bible that and it's a place Bible. for us to get together and work through it and then yes, put it into action. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And, and just the, the community aspect of it. I, I always remember the story that you told that you'll tell about, uh, when you lived here in San Jose, um, how you ended up at Campbell church of Christ, which was just the people, right. Yes. You were looking for a church and someone yes. invited you and then you had surgery and then like the next week people were bringing casseroles over. They were. And yeah, that's not necessarily the main point of church, I guess. I mean, the right. main point is, is worship of Christ and, and, you know, discovering his word. But, you know, God does call us to serve one another and, does, and especially to serve 
Christians in a way, not that we just don't serve people out in the world, but that we serve our brothers and sisters in Christ in a different way than we serve, yes. um, serve, serve others. Um, when it's almost like a respite from all this stuff that goes out along the world, you know, out in the world, mm-hmm. especially, you know, there's a lot of distractions again, but like you said earlier, when you, you know, get dressed in the morning, preparing to go to church, get in the car, drive to church, it's, it's, it's like a special separate place. <laughs> yeah. It's a little, it's a little, it's a corner, right? It's a, it's a thing that it, it's a, it's an event almost. Yeah. So, and so that's why someone who's like me, who's would I would call myself a very traditional, uh, as far as in the um, expression of worship, a very traditional minded person, um, that it's difficult going into some church. And I'm not saying that this is wrong. I'm just saying that like, I don't think it's sinful to make your church loud and rock and rolly. But no, I don't what I am either, saying yeah. is that I think that there's something to be said for church needs to look different than other places. And so going yes. back to what you were talking about, about, you know, using other people's mate- books as, as the main thing, rather than maybe focusing on scripture that, well, then it just looks like a self-help conference. It doesn't look like church right. anymore. And exactly. it's so much more than a self-help conference because yeah. what Christians realize is that we cannot help ourselves. <laughs> I mean, not. to a certain extent, we help each other and, and everything else, but ultimately we can't help ourselves. And that's something I think people from the outside maybe miss about yes. Christianity generally. Yes. Um, well, speaking of the Bible, Mom, uh, what I'd like to do now is read from uh, read, read a couple of verses and we can chat about it. And then that's all we have to do. Okay. Um, all right. This is First Peter verses 13 through 16. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy." go. <laughs> it's easier if I can look at it, but okay. Yeah, I know. I should have sent it to you, but I'm a bad son. <laughs> no, you're not a bad son. Um, all right. Can you read it one more time? Sure. Do you want me to go verse by verse? Yeah, that'd be better. Okay. Or at this least like a, a chunk of verses. Like, okay. I, you know, I'm into chunking things today. So. Yes, apparently. Um, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay. Shall we keep going? <laughs> no, no, that was good. Well, it, it was interesting that the word grace is used there because we were talking about grace earlier. Yes, that is true. And the preparation part is important. Like, mm-hmm. um you know, reading your Bible, praying, um, talking with other Christians, serving, all of those things to me are that preparation and not that you have to serve or that's the whole other thing you can get into. But I think like brightening the corner where you are is serving. Yeah, I think you're right. And I also think, you know, preparing your minds for action, being sober minded is kind of what we're talking about. We're talking about that the preparate, like going to church, right? That it's, you're being sober minded. And so, you know, I've, I've always feel like there's kind of different kinds of prayer. Obviously there's different kinds of prayer, but that two that come to mind in this context is like, there's the prayer of 
oh man, I just saw a car accident. Let me pray for those people, you know, or, oh man, I feel sick. Lord, can you help me out here? That kind of thing. Or, you know, there are those things where it's like, oh man, this food was really good. Thanks God. That like those quick little Mm -hmm. chats with God kind of. And then there's like the, what I view, what this is kind of talking about. So like your minds are prepared for action. You're sober minded and you're set. It's all you're focusing on is, uh, is Christ. Um, right. All right. It goes on to say, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Well, that's, that's what we strive to do. I mean, we're, of course, um, we're never going to be as holy as God. No one expects nope. us to do that. <laughs> that the obedient part is important too. You know, again, going back to kind of circling back to preparing yourself and what does what does God want from me? We know, I mean, our former self, that's kind of hard for me because I don't feel like I had a former self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but I still understand it because I am a sinner. And, you know, so I know that obedience is a way to fight against sin. Well, Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commandments. Right. Yeah. And And the love, the love part is so important. And and that's the church part too. That's another part of church is like, what does, what are the two greatest commandments to love God and to love other people? So. Yeah, and if you're just obeying his commandments without loving him, that doesn't really work either. And I think that that's that's a re- the love is what can kind of fight against the sort of legalistic type of uh, tendencies that some that some uh, some of us have leaned into in our lives. Um, let's see here. Also, just kind of as a historical fun fact, so First okay. Peter, the way that he writes it is he's basically changing the language that he's saying God's chosen people are no longer the Jews and they are kind of, I mean, this is the implication, right? It's not outright said, but that now it's this new group of people who are, you don't, it's not, it's not a race. So, and one of the things that, that scholars use to, um, to point to that is they talk about the former ignorance, the passions of the former ignorance. And then later on in, in the book, he talks about, um, that your ancestors were not a people, but anyway, so it's just kind of interesting that he's mm-hmm. talking about your, the former ignorance of Gentiles uh, there, possibly. Um, since it is written, you shall be holy as I am holy. And yeah, you're right. Nobody is as holy as God, but we are called to be set apart for sure. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And to be and, different and for people to notice that there is something different about us. Yeah. You know, because, because of God's grace. And I remember like, in work situations where I just remember this lady telling me, you are so nice. Not that I always am, because you know that. But anyway, um, and I just pointed up to heaven and I said, it's because of him. And that, you know, anything that she saw good in me was because of Jesus. Yeah, it, it's it, it kind of puts people back when you do things like that, because I've been in, again, not that I'm always nice, but in similar situations, it's kind of like, uh, oh man, you're not stressed out at all. You're you're good at this sort of thing. It's like no, I'm I'm lousy. It's Jesus. If anything is yes. good, and like you just kind of, I will say things like that just kind of in an offhanded way, but yeah. it's it's true. It's like yeah, I'm 
in in one sense, we all kind of have a sense of right and wrong because we're made in God's image. And so we kind of have a general, we know what's right and wrong, but what we want to do is sin. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so without some, uh, a daily, (laughs) a minute by second by second intervention from the Holy Spirit, we're kind (laughs) of lousy. By God's grace. That's by God's grace. Well, mom, I don't think that you're lousy. Um, I think that you have brightened many corners and that the, you're probably brightening many corners in people's various earbuds as they've listened to you today. I really do appreciate you coming on um, and uh, and having – it's nice to have some family on and to just kind of have a chat. Yes. Thank you um, for making it easier than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> no problem. Thank you for making it easy. <laughs>